I'm Tracy from Stuff You Missed in History Class. Are you a small business owner or even someone who dreams of entrepreneurship? Then check out Season 2 of Mind the Business, small business success stories from iHeart Podcasts and Intuit QuickBooks. Join hosts Austin Hankwitz and Janice Torres as they interview entrepreneurs sharing insights around starting and nurturing a small business. You won't want to miss these inspiring stories of entrepreneurship and discovering ways to business differently so you can too. This episode of Stuff You Missed in History Class is brought to you by Get Your Guide. If you're planning a trip and you are not sure what you want to do when you get there, Get Your Guide offers the best way to connect with your destination. You can make memories from all over the globe with these tours that are locally vetted and expertly curated. All kinds of variety based on whatever it is that you're into. So if it's food or nature or sports, you can immerse yourself in any of these things on your next vacation. So just as some examples, there's a New York City deli food tour or whitewater rafting on the Grand Canyon. This is not just in the United States either. There is a chocolate and patisserie tour of Paris or a pasta making class in Rome. All of this sounds so awesome. You can discover and book your next unforgettable travel experience at getyourguide.com. Again, that is getyourguide.com. Planning your next trip? Choice Hotel's family of 22 brands has over 7,400 locations and the perfect hotel for any traveler you want to be. Like a Cambria Hotel, serving up locally inspired craft cocktails for all my folks who maybe want to meet up and talk about Mad Royals. Check into a Radisson Hotel with flexible workspaces for you strivers who listen during business travel. Or a Comfort Hotel with free hot breakfast, family-friendly pools, and big spacious rooms for the parents who listen with their kids and need a little retreat. What are you waiting for? Join Choice Privileges and start earning points to your next stay. Find a stay for any you when you book direct at choicehotels.com, where travels come true. During Dell TechFest, score game-changing innovations with limited-time deals on select next-gen Alienware gaming tech. New dimensions await with advanced gaming systems like the Alienware M18 laptop powered by an Intel Core i9 processor featuring awe-inspiring visuals, liquid cooling, three-dimensional audio with Dolby Atmos, and impressive overclocking potential. Your dream setup, amazing prices, and free shipping await you for a limited time only at Alienware. Alienware.com slash deals. That's Alienware.com slash deals. Welcome to Stuff You Missed in History Class from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Tracy B. Wilson. And I'm Holly Prime. Today we have a listener request by everyone. It certainly seems that way. It feels that way. It's something people have been asking us to do an episode on since we joined the podcast. And then uh, last week I asked on our Facebook page for events specifically that people would like to hear about because our listener ideas list is about 80% people. Uh, and Carmen, Carol, and Aisha all asked to hear about this. Um, I also want to give a special shout out to Aisha, and I hope I'm saying your name correctly, uh, Aisha went through and answered so many people who asked about episodes that we actually already have after I had like clocked out for the weekend. Oh. <laughs> so I came to work on Monday morning and when I started plowing through that uh, thread again, there were all these answers and it was great. And um, I will thank her too because I was away on vacation at the time. So she covered yes, for both of were. us very kindly. <laughs> that was awesome. So if you go to the movies today, Anywhere in the developed world, there's going to be an announcement before the feature. 
reminding you to look for your nearest exit. Uh, if you like movies at all, you've probably heard it so many times that you don't really even think about it anymore. You probably also don't need to be reminded that it might be behind you. And you probably also just take for granted that if there's an emergency, you can push on the door and it will open. That's pretty standard so not, in most yeah, theaters. Yeah, it's pretty movie theater standard business now. Not so in 1903 when Chicago's Iroquois Theater, which had only been open for five weeks, caught fire and killed more than 600 people. So, spoiler alert, this is not a peppy episode. No, and if you already feel depressed, uh, so many people have asked us to talk about this. So, so, so many. So, uh, if, if, if you're angry at another dead women and children's story, blame them. I don't know. <laughs> you can maybe come back to this one later when you're in a lighter mood and, yeah. and it won't well, be quite so Im- impactful on your, your well-being. Yeah, and I personally have been trying to stick with more hopeful stories since we're heading into the holiday season. And this is oddly even more appropriate because it happens during the holiday season. Yeah. So, yeah, we'll make great efforts to do peppier ones in the next the next several episodes, at least. Uh, so the Iroquois Theater on Randolph Street in Chicago was, as Tracy said just a moment ago, nearly new when it burned. It opened on November 23rd of 1903, and it was six stories tall and described by Eddie Foy, who was on stage for its last performance, as, quote, one of the finest that had yet been built in this country, a palace of marble and plate glass, plush and mahogany and gilding. Its foyer was immense. It had these 60-foot ceilings and a grand staircase on either side. And then the backstage accommodations for the performers and the orchestra were similarly very well appointed. It was also supposed to be entirely fireproof. And as we've talked about in past episodes, including the one on the Grove Park Inn, fire was a really huge threat to hotels and other public buildings. Various architects, planners, and builders tried their hand at coming up with a way to build a fireproof building. Theater fires, in particular, had a huge potential for catastrophe, so being fireproof was a really big deal. And in addition to its construction, there was an asbestos curtain that was supposed to protect the audience from any kind of fire that started on the stage. Chicago's building commissioner, George Williams, and its fire inspector, Ed Laughlin, called it, quote, fireproof beyond all doubt. But not everyone was so convinced as that. Uh, William Clendenin, editor of Fireproof magazine, had inspected the Iroquois Theater that summer before it opened and actually found it woefully lacking. Among his points, uh, there was no draft to draw fire up into the loft instead of allowing it to spread out into the audience. There were exposed reinforcements around the proscenium arch. There was too much wood trim everywhere. There was also no fire alarm, no standpipe, and no sprinkler over the stage. So while the building itself was widely touted as being fireproof, uh, if a fire did start, there was all kinds of completely flammable stuff inside of it, and a fire was very likely to spread unchecked without a way to either summon the fire department from on the property or control the fire until help arrived. At full capacity, the theater was supposed to seat 1,724 people. But December 30th of 1903 was a particularly busy day. 
School was still out for Christmas break, and the theater had been packed with 1,900 people in a standing room only show, although some reports uh, put the number even higher than that. And unfortunately, nearly all of them were children and their mothers. The show that day was a musical, and it was called Mr. Bluebeard. It starred vaudeville comedian Eddie Foy in drag as the role of Sister Anne, and he was backed up with a troupe of 500 along with a full orchestra. This play was an adaptation of Grimm's fairy tales that had originally opened on Drury Lane in London, and it was touring with all the original props and scenery and a lot of the original cast. And you may wonder how a play about Bluebeard would be okay for children. Uh, and in this version, all of Bluebeard's murdered wives are restored to life. And like many musicals at the time, it was mostly a framing device for a bunch of songs, so it focused less on the actual story of Bluebeard and his murderous sprees. As you know, if you've ever been in a play, stage lights are really, really hot. And in the second act, eight couples took the stage for a number called In the Pale Moonlight. And about 3.15 in the afternoon, one of the painted canvas backdrops caught fire. It was in the vicinity of a spotlight. Uh, There are various explanations for exactly what happened. Uh, One is that the backdrop brushed against a reflector of the spotlight, which was extremely hot. Uh, another is that it actually blew blew a fuse. Another is that just something went wrong and a spark shot out. Uh, regardless, this oil paint covered canvas backdrop started to smolder, and a stagehand named William McMullen saw it happen and actually tried to put it out uh, with his hands, like you would hit out something small sp- that was smoldering, but he couldn't reach it from the catwalk wh- where he was standing. Also on hand was an on-site firefighter who tried to put the fire out with two tubes of a product called Kill Fires. This was, according to an advertisement in the Los Angeles Herald the following year, quote, a dry compound in a tin tube and weighs less than three pounds. So its primary component was bicarbonate of soda, baking soda, and it probably would have done fine for the task of putting out a grease fire in a kitchen. But on the vertical surface of a burning oil paint covered canvas, it was not sufficient to do the job at all. And the fire started to spread. Yeah, it's, it, it was basically meant to smother a fire out and it, it can't literally there was no falling way, off of it. Yeah, there was literally no way to do that on a vertical hanging surface. So at first, the audience didn't know anything was wrong because the fire, as fire generally does, climbed upwards. And the first things that really caught were everything in the fly space above the, the stage. So this was full of curtains and painted canvas backdrops and other scenery that was suspended above the stage area. But uh, the audience's lack of awareness about the situation changed rather quickly as the various flies and curtains caught fire and started to fall, still burning onto the stage. So... Things are going to become pretty horrifying in a minute. And before they do, let's take a brief word from a sponsor. I'm Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. Did you know small businesses make up 99.9% of all businesses in the United States? The world is powered by entrepreneurs. And if you're a small business owner or even someone dreaming of starting your own business, then you'll want to check out Season 2 of Mind the Business, small business success stories from Ruby Studio, from iHeartMedia, and Intuit QuickBooks. And every episode hosts Austin Hankwitz and Janice Torres talk to entrepreneurs about how they've grown from the 
the lessons of launching and nurturing a small business and how they have found success being their own boss. From the excitement of first starting out to finding the right tools and resources to process invoices and payments like QuickBooks Money, you won't want to miss these inspiring stories of entrepreneurship and discovering ways to business differently so you can too. And if you're a small business owner or even someone dreaming of starting your own business, then you'll want to check out season two of Mind the Business, small business success stories from Ruby Studio, from iHeartMedia, and Intuit QuickBooks. Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media, but now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Before I found Zigazoo, I believed all social media was inappropriate for kids. But I feel great about my kids being on Zigazoo. Videos are moderated by actual people before being added to the feed. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about mean comments on your kids' videos. And you need parental consent before joining Zigazoo. Bottom line, it's a space that prioritizes data safety for kids. Oh, but don't take my word for it. Zigazoo is KidSafe COPPA certified. So weigh everything Zigazoo has to offer. Maybe you'll zigzag too. Zigazoo, a social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. During Dell Tech Fest, score game-changing innovations with limited-time deals on select next-gen Alienware gaming tech. New dimensions await with advanced gaming systems like the Alienware M18 laptop powered by an Intel Core i9 processor featuring awe-inspiring visuals, liquid cooling, three-dimensional audio with Dolby Atmos, and impressive overclocking potential. Plus, build your dream setup with great deals on select gaming monitors, mice, and more must-have electronics and accessories. When you shop online at Alienware.com slash deals, you'll have access to leading-edge gaming technology to conquer the competition and free shipping on everything. Amazing prices await you for a limited time only at Alienware.com slash deals. That's Alienware.com slash deals. Are you someone who's developed a keen awareness of life's nonsense and found their way around it? Someone who zigs when the rest of the world zags. Someone who doesn't put up with life's yada yada. If you're nodding your head, yes, then it might be time to check out Metro by T-Mobile. At Metro, there's not a yada yada. That means no contracts, no credit checks, and no surprises. Join Metro. They help you stay ahead of the game with nada yada yada. Outsmarting yada yada means things like avoiding those surprise subscriptions. I definitely ordered a one-time Valentine present recently, and then I got an email thanking me for joining their subscription program. Not a thing I had even realized I was doing. You don't take yada yada in life. Don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and not a yada yada, helping you stay ahead without compromising on things you love the most. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. As soon as burning scenery started to fall onto the stage, the actors, I mean, some of them continued on in their roles, and some of them really started to panic. People in the audience also started to panic, and Eddie Foy, who'd been in his dressing room when the fire started, ran out to find out what the commotion was. 
he had actually brought one of his children, a little boy named Brian, to the show. And since there weren't any seat of, seats available, he'd let Brian sit in one of the wings. When Foy saw what was happening, the first thing that he did was find his son and give him a, to a stagehand to try to keep him safe. And then he ran downstage to try to calm the audience. He told them not to get too excited that everything was under control. It became pretty clear quickly that, that it wasn't actually under control because burning curtains started falling onto the stage at his feet. At this point, he yelled at the stage manager to drop the asbestos curtain. But that curtain got snagged on a light fixture and it jammed partway down its track. Foy stayed on the stage. He really did his best to calm the audience. And while the people in front who could see and hear him did try or did at least seem to try to take a more orderly, calm approach for the exits. At this point, the people in the balconies were already completely in a panic. The actors and dancers, completely terrified, uh, fled the theater through the stage door. When they did, a huge blast of air came in through that door and forced the flames under the asbestos curtain. So it had come down partway, and now it was just sort of being drafted out underneath it into the audience. The vents that should have allowed the inrushing air to escape through the roof were nailed shut. These were also supposed to contain fans to draw the air out, but those had never been finished. The result of this combination of fire and airflow was an enormous fireball, and it spread out over the heads of the people who were on the first floor of the theater, and according to reports, it actually brushed the balconies. Everything in the house that was flammable caught fire, and the audience started to flee for the doors as the stage literally started to collapse. Foy looked up and saw that the asbestos curtain itself was now burning. It was basically too thin and it wasn't reinforced, so once the fire got to it, it literally fell apart. Foy's actions were really pretty heroic during all of this. He stayed on stage as long as he could, trying to encourage people to calmly seek safety. Until finally, the blinding smoke and terror for the safety of his own son sent him out the stage door as well, and he was reunited with his little boy outside. As he left, the cables holding the last of the flies and curtains in the loft gave way, and the whole burning mass of scenery fell to the stage, causing a second fireball to erupt through the house of the theater. The Iroquois Theater did indeed have a lot of exits, 27 of them in total, although there was one report that said there were 30, with 27 of them locked. But some of them uh, were actually obscured by drapes. Others have been blocked in an effort to keep people from getting into the show without buying a ticket. And those that could be opened by the audience used an unfamiliar design, and people did not know how to get them open. Yeah, they had kind of a weird fiddly lever thing that would have been tricky in even under good circumstances, but by terrified people in a building filling with smoke, they were next to impossible. Um, also, just before we came in here, I found a report that the the actual doors leading from the balcony to those grand staircases had also been locked to try to keep the people in the balconies from getting to the better seats in the lower levels of the theater without paying for them. So as people tried to push their way out, the situation only got worse. Smoke filled the theater and no one could see. And there were also no emergency lights that would have helped guide people to the exits. Those who made it to the doors first were actually crushed against them by the people behind. 
People who fell while trying to reach safety were trampled to death. Casualties even continued outside the theater because the fires spread up the side of the building under the fire escapes. So people who had been in the balconies and actually managed to get out onto the fire escape saw that it was impassable and they tried to jump. A lot of them died when they landed and later waves of people who jumped survived only because they landed on the bodies of the people who had died in the jump previously. Then that got even worse because the people jumped after them crushed the people who had initially survived their descent. And I need a break from this story. It's it's so awful. It's one of those things that sounds almost ridiculous in just the levels of horror that keep kind of layering on top of one another. It gets worse and worse. Yes. Yeah. So we're going to take another brief pause for a word from a sponsor. I'm Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. Did you know small businesses make up 99.9% of all businesses in the United States? The world is powered by entrepreneurs. And if you're a small business owner or even someone dreaming of starting your own business, then you'll want to check out Season 2 of Mind the Business, small business success stories from Ruby Studio, from iHeartMedia, and Intuit QuickBooks. And every episode hosts Austin Hankwitz and Janice Torres talk to entrepreneurs about how they've grown from the lessons of launching and nurturing a small business, and how they have found success being their own boss. From the excitement of first starting out to finding the right tools and resources to process invoices and payments like QuickBooks Money, you won't want to miss these inspiring stories of entrepreneurship and discovering ways to business differently so you can too. And if you're a small business owner or even someone dreaming of starting your own business, then you'll want to check out Season 2 of Mind the Business, small business success stories from Ruby Studio, from iHeartMedia, and Intuit QuickBooks. Hey, Sarah, I loved that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was edited so well. I think you're so talented. Social media interactions are only positive when you use Zigazoo. Zigazoo is the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. Your kids can upload their content and see what their friends are up to. With Zigazoo, they can create videos, enter to win prizes, and try out the latest dances and trends. There's no commenting, no text messaging, and everything is 100% human moderated. Plus, all community members are real, verified kids just like yours. There are no bots, trolls, or AI. Because Zigazoo is about one thing and one thing only, and that is fun. Try out Zigazoo this spring break and let your kids share your vacation vlogs and best edits with their friends safely. Download the Zigazoo app today. That's Z-I-G-A-Z-O-O. During Dell Tech Fest, score game-changing innovations with limited-time deals on select next-gen Alienware gaming tech. New dimensions await with advanced gaming systems like the Alienware M18 laptop powered by an Intel Core i9 processor featuring awe-inspiring visuals, liquid cooling, three-dimensional audio with Dolby Atmos, and impressive overclocking potential. Plus, build your dream setup with great deals on select gaming monitors, mice, and more must-have electronics and accessories. When you shop online at Alienware.com slash deals, you'll have access to leading-edge gaming technology to conquer the competition and free shipping on everything. Amazing prices await you for a limited time only at Alienware.com slash deals. That's Alienware.com slash deals. 
Are you someone who's developed a keen awareness of life's nonsense and found their way around it? Someone who zigs when the rest of the world zags? Someone who doesn't put up with life's yada yada? If you're nodding your head yes, then it might be time to check out Metro by T-Mobile. At Metro, there's not a yada yada. That means no contracts, no credit checks, and no surprises. Join Metro. They help you stay ahead of the game with nada yada yada. Outsmarting yada yada means things like avoiding those surprise subscriptions. I definitely ordered a one-time Valentine present recently. And then I got an email thanking me for joining their subscription program. Not a thing I had even realized I was doing. You don't take yada yada in life. Don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and not a yada yada. Helping you stay ahead without compromising on things you love the most. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. So to get back to the Iroquois Theater fire, it was all over in about 15 minutes. Because there was no fire alarm in the theater, a stagehand had to run to the nearest fire station to summon help. Firefighters had the blaze extinguished within about half an hour. There wasn't really much left for them to do when they got there because the fire had burned up just about everything that was flammable. By that point, the people who had survived the crushing rush for the exits had all nearly died of smoke inhalation. Firefighters found piles of bodies up to 10 deep at the exits and clogging all of the aisles. In total, 575 people died that day out of the 1,900 that were there. So that equates to about 30% of the audience. Nearly all of the victims were women and children, and 30 more people died of their injuries in the following weeks, and hundreds more were injured by the whole event. Most of those killed had been in the balconies. A very few people were, almost miraculously, pulled out from under the bodies of others, which had protected them from the smoke and the fire. This whole thing was obviously devastating to Chicago's fam- families with the overwhelming number of victims being moms and their children, was the deadliest fire in Chicago history, far outpacing the Great Chicago Fire, which killed about 250, was also the deadliest theater fire in United States history. And I think it's still also the the largest single building fire death toll. The cast, having escaped through the stage door, was almost unscathed. The only fatality among the performers was a tightrope artist named Nellie Reed, who was supposed to be part of a flying ballet and had been in the loft above the stage when the fire started. She died of her burns a few days after the incident. Uh, When all of this happened, it was a huge scandal. Even though having 27 exits and an asbestos curtain and an on-site firefighter sounds like it's good from a fire safety standpoint, a whole series of inquests and investigations followed the tragedy, and every single one of them unearthed all kinds of problems in terms of safety and oversight. The Chicago Daily Tribune actually sponsored its own investigation, and it later published an enormous list of faults and wrongdoing. The theater itself had actually been in violation of fire code before its opening, but city officials got complimentary tickets and they looked the other way. In addition to all the problems we mentioned earlier, there were no hooks for taking down burning scenery, 
There were no fire extinguishers, and there was no training for the staff about what to do in the event of an emergency. Had all the proper codes been followed and had basic safety precautions been in place, many lives would have been saved. Yeah, this is a a tragedy that a lot of times gets a lot of credit for revolutionizing fire safety, which in some aspects is true. But in other aspects, there were actual elements of the fire code that would have saved lives and were not followed. And city inspectors did not do anything to prevent the theater from opening uh, before those faults were fixed. Although the theater manager and several Chicago public officials were indicted, none of them were ever charged. The owner of the theater was charged and convicted, but that charge was later reversed. The only person who ever did jail time in conjunction with, with this fire was a tavern keeper whose business had been used as a temporary morgue, and he was convicted of stealing from the dead. None of the victims' families received any sort of restitution, apart from one class-action suit whose members each received $750. The mayor of Chicago at the time was Carter H. Harrison, and he was one of the people who was indicted after the fire. Afterward, he shut down more than 170 theaters, churches, and other gathering places to have them reinspected. He also passed ordinances requiring that all theater doors be clearly marked and open outward in the direction that traffic would need to go in an emergency. And as devastating as this fire was, the building itself was actually mostly unharmed. It closed down and it reopened a year later as the Colonial Theater. It was then torn down in 1926 to make room for the Oriental Theater. It is now the Gertrude C. Ford Center for the Performing Arts. There's also a memorial to the disaster in Montrose Cemetery in Chicago. And today, as Tracy mentioned at the top of the episode, just about everywhere has laws saying that exits have to be clearly marked and that you have to be able to see them from the inside, even if you can't get in from the outside. As I was working on the outline for this, I was reminded of the SS Sultana episode. Yes. In which people ignored safety to make extra money. I feel like we have had other episodes also about people ignoring safety to make extra money. I know there are definitely, definitely episodes in the archives about people ignoring safety to make extra money. I would like the world to learn a lesson from this history and stop ignoring safety to make extra money. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those sort of horrible indicators of, you know, that aspect of human nature that you will prioritize cash flow over doing the right thing. It's not our finest hour as people. No. Do you uh, have some listener mail to shift us into a slightly peppier and less yes. depressing gear? Yes. Uh, before I read it, I do, like, part of me wondered as I was finishing this up if all of the people who have asked us to, to talk about this episode already knew how heartbreakingly tragic it was. Uh, I feel like some of them must have, and some of them uh, probably had sort of heard it in the same context as, like, the Triangle Shirtwaist Factory fire. Yeah. And it sort of, it was a big fire. Yeah. I would like to hear more about that. Uh, I'm sorry it's such a terrible story. Well, and it is important. I mean, it, there were a lot of, you know, ramifications that we still feel today, whether or not we knew that this was the source of some of them. Uh, but it is. It's not, not really an uplifting and delightful adventure to go on. 
I have a much more uplifting and delightful listener mail. I love it when that happens. Yes. So this is from Vanessa. And Vanessa says, hi, Tracy and Holly. I was so happy to stumble onto your podcast about the Lady Juliana. I'm a regular listener, but I had that one unplayed in my feed when I heard you reading listener mail about it. My fourth great-grandmother, Anne, arrived in Australia on the Lady Juliana. She had been convicted for stealing clothes from her employer. I'd say she was already pretty sassy, as at that tender age, she was already using an alias, Hannah, and stated in court, quote, I had no more intention of taking the things than I have of going to Jamaica this minute. She was tried at the Old Bailey in February 1788, and the court transcript still exists, which I think is just the most amazing thing. She tried to bluff it out, but it's pretty clear she was guilty of her crime. She gave her ages 19, but she was probably only 14 or 15. On board the ship, she quickly took up with a sailor, James. I don't know whether they had strong feelings for each other, if it was exploitation on his part, or pragmatism on hers. I just hope it made her voyage more comfortable. I have heard the trip to the colony of New South Wales described as akin to traveling to the moon, a prospect which must must have been terrifying at times to a girl so young. When she arrived in New South Wales in June, Anne was about five months pregnant. On the 6th of October, 1790, four months after landing, Anne married Thomas, who had arrived in the second fleet on the 28th of June, 1790, on board the Neptune. The treatment of convicts aboard the Neptune has been described as the most horrific in the history of transportation to Australia. They had four children over the next six years. Baby James was baptized in late November, 1791, but died the following January. One of Anne's other children, William, died of a snake bite when he was 11. I can't imagine what a strange and dangerous place Australia must have seemed. No snakes in London. I'm going to pause here and say I know I said that this this letter was uplifting, and now we have just talked about the transportation of prisoners and dead children. Just bear with me. I don't, I don't mean to laugh at it. I'm laughing at Tracy's joke that we have to hang in there. Cause I am, you know, choked up. I have the wet eyes over here. Well, so I'm hanging in there. I'll confess we had to stop recording a second ago. So, uh, because I had to compose myself. So I have quite a few other convict ancestors too, and they all did really well in the colony. Two brothers convicted of highway robbery were later to become the first sheriffs in a remote area patrolling against bushrangers. Thomas, Anne's husband, became a soldier in the New South Wales Corps and tried his hand at farming on several different land grants he received. He even ended up putting notices in the newspaper warning against trespassers onto his land. I find it really ironic that a former highway robber would be so precious about his property, but I've always believed that opportunity and hard work can lift a person out of the circumstances into which they were born. This was true for a great many of the colonists who came to Australia. Considered the worst of the worst in England, they were able to serve their time and then be given land and civic responsibilities in their new country that they could never have imagined in England. I like to hope that as Anne matured, became a wife, had children, and farmed the land that she and Thomas acquired, that she was grateful for the circumstances that brought her so far, no matter how inauspicious they had initially seemed. Anne died in 1821 and Thomas in 1824. He was murdered by intruders who were not convicted due to insufficient evidence. Their son and my ancestor, Henry, was one of the 10 men chosen to settle Australia's first inland city in 1815. The bicentenary celebrations will be held this year. 
Convict heritage is considered something to be very proud of in Australia. I'm fascinated by all of my ancestors, and genealogy is a great passion. But I've always had a soft spot for Anne and her story. She was the first of my European ancestors to arrive in Australia. Thank you for a wonderful episode with such a special connection. Kind regards, Vanessa. So maybe not uplifting all the way through, uh, but I wanted to read it because I love the tone of, yes, these circumstances were horrible, but this led to being a family and it led to being my family. Um, yeah. There, there are so many nuances to that story and so many aspects of, uh, the, the colonization of Australia on the part of, of uh, Great Britain that are, are problematic and upsetting in a lot of ways. But, uh, when you get to the part of this is a person and her family and this is her family's story, like that is the part that is really, really touching to me. And, uh, that's the positive part and why I wanted to read it. Not all the snake bites and the murders and the being sentenced for, to be transported at the age of probably 14. Yeah, when I, when we first got that email, the part that got me choked up, and it's because of Vanessa's, she has a really nice, um, writing tone. When she mentions that she hopes that the relationship that her, her relatives struck up with the sailor on the ship made her voyage more comfortable, I so got a lump in my throat. Yeah, that's like, we, we have had, uh, a fair amount of listener mail talking about the relationships that women had on the, the ship and, and, how we should talk about them and uh, which ones were consensual and which ones definitely were not consensual. And this, like, this letter is one of the reasons that I feel like it's important to talk about all those things, but also important not to paint all of them with the same brush. Yeah. So, if you would like to write to us, if you are angry that we <laughs> have this sad, sad episode, and then also some sadness in our listener mail... You can. We're at History Podcast at HowStuffWorks.com. We're also on Facebook at Facebook.com slash History and on Twitter at History. Our Tumblr is MissedInHistory.tumblr.com and we're on Pinterest at Pinterest.com slash History. We have a Spreadshirt store. If you're looking for some holiday gifts for some history fans, it is at MissedInHistory.Spreadshirt.com. Uh, you can also learn a lot more about what we talked about today by coming to our parent company's website, putting the word fire in the search bar and you will find how fire works. You can also come to our website, which is missinhistory.com and find uh, episode show notes and an archive of all of the episodes, lots of other interesting stuff. So you can do all that and a whole lot more at howstuffworks.com or missinhistory.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, Sarah, I loved that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids just like yours. And all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today.
Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a Corolla built just for you. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota. Let's go places. Check out Unpacking Israeli History Podcast. From the history of infamous terror groups, Hamas and Hezbollah, to the story of Nakba, to Israel's disengagement from Gaza in 2005, there's so much to uncover. Unpacking Israeli History cuts through the noise and helps you understand Israel's present through understanding Israel's history. Catch up on previous seasons and enjoy new episodes from Season 6 each week. So educate yourself. Learn the history behind the headlines. Find Unpacking Israeli History wherever you listen to podcasts.